Welcome to the Super Kitty podcast. This is also the title of my children's book, but I found out a lot of adults are reading it too. I wrote this book to educate people and families about a recent adoption that I made. Ginger is her real name, aka Super Kitty. And this book that I self-published is on Amazon and AuthorHouse.com. So you might be asking why write such a book. Well, I wanted to raise awareness on the importance of rescuing pets and basically to provide a voice for these animals who can't speak for themselves. The book is not only from my perspective, but also from Ginger's perspective. And my next guest today has actually read the book. That's always a perk. And the reason I want to give all our followers who are going to follow us on this podcast, Super Kitty, is not only to highlight my book, but to raise money to help these nonprofits and rescue and care for animals until they find loving homes. So this will provide a voice for all those who await adoption. And I just want to point out the joy that they bring us. That's really why I wrote the book. And uh, my little Ginger has become part of my family. She just turned a year old. And so I bought her her first birthday gift, and it's a four-story condo. And she's simply in love with it. So I'm going to be posting more videos on TikTok very soon. And you can find those under Mamasan, M-O-M-M-I. S-A-N. And just so you know, it's all PG. And I also want to let you know the way that you can show your appreciation for this podcast and the education that we're providing is you can donate by using the free app, buy me a cup of coffee. My handle is one, it's the number one, and then the word super kitty. And every donation will support these nonprofits. Each cup of coffee is $3. And you can buy one, or you can buy up to five. And also you can find my book, Super Kitty, on Amazon and Author House. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm lucky to have this guest. This is Tammy, <laughs> the infamous Tammy from Caffeinated Cat Cafe in Jack's Beach. Yes, good morning. <laughs> and I'm just going to give you a minute to tell us about what you do briefly at the Caffeinated Cat. Basically, we are a uh, rescue group that helps medically urgent street cats, feral cats, community cats. We serve drinks and people can come in, visit with the cats, adopt. All the proceeds of the shop go towards furthering the program to help cats. We've had the program now for like 18 years, so it helps us to be able to continue to help the cats that fall through the cracks in society. Great. For me, I stumbled across the caffeinated cat when I moved to Jacksonville Beach last year. I had gone to PetSmart to check out and maybe possibly adopt, but they didn't have any pets, and they referred me to your facility. So my daughter and I came in, and my experience was you wash your hands, you sanitize, <laughs> You get to go into the cat room, and it's surrounded by three walls with sunlight, and you get to pet the cats and watch them and interact. And at the time, the kitty that I was focused on was named Charlotte, and now um, she's mine, <laughs> and her name is Ginger, and she is the impetus and the reason I wrote the book, Super Kitty. So I don't know if you remember when I came in. It's over a year ago. I'll be honest. We get a lot of people in. I remember cats more than I remember people. 
Okay. So I had to leave her there for about a month because I hadn't moved into my apartment. And once I moved into my apartment, I was under construction. I wanted to make sure that it was all safe on the inside for the kitty. And so when I took her home, I don't even think I had like a dining room table. But I noticed the first thing that she did was she stopped and she looked and she sniffed every inch and she scoped out a hiding place. And it's between the stove and the kitchen counter and she can still get in it. So I like to refer to it as her hole. (laughs) She self-imposes herself to go into the hole. So it's important though from um, a safety standpoint that she did that, that she had the wherewithal at the age of three months to do that. Because every time somebody comes in and she hears the voice, yeah, she goes to the hole. Yep, I don't have to look for her or lock her up. And do you find that is typical of most cats? Yes, they have what they call their little safe area or sanctuary area, and they can observe the situation, their environment. For them, that's where they feel safe, and they will repeatedly go back there in order to feel safe and watch for anything unusual we have in the shop we have built all our cat furniture so that there is a safe area in every piece of equipment so that the cats can actually go and hide and yet still be able to see out and what's going on yeah they monitor it so when I first saw Ginger she was on a dresser drawer that was nailed to the wall way up high Mm -hmm. and I didn't even notice it for the first like 10 minutes and then I went and picked her up and she slept the whole time but I get that so with these cats even I noticed the kitty litter like access area is very private so that Mm -hmm. they're not exposing themselves and I think it's really important for them and their safety so now that super kitty is living with me now it's been a year (laughs) She loves to go outside, so I have her harnessed and leashed. Okay. And I have a patio, and she looks for the lizards. That's her thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a chapter in the book devoted to that, and I don't know that many people are aware of it. I wasn't, and I've always had cats, but they were always indoor cats. The covering on a lizard's skin renders their nervous system incapable of functioning so it happened to super kitty it's in the book but yet it still doesn't deter her she still sits on her condo inside watches their movement she watches the squirrels she watches the ducks the geese the birds yeah a bird feeder but the lizards are a big temptation for her so what do you tell people when they come in to adopt a pet how do you get them to understand all that's needed and all the care that a pet really (laughs) needs and requires Well, it is a learning process no matter what animal you adopt. Every day, as long as I've been in this business and dealing with cats, I still learn something new every day. So you're always going to learn something new. It's impossible to cover every angle, but you have to know your basics. Cats are observers. They are also hunters. They're completely different than dogs, so they view life differently than dogs they need that mental stimulation and they like the peace and quiet they like to sit back and observe rather than come up with the tail wag and bounce and hey how's it going they like to sit back now for the lizards yeah because a lizard is quick it's fast it darts 
So cats are immediately drawn to the quick movements. So with Super Kitty, she likes to play a lot, and I do play with her. Even though she's a year old, she's still very kitten-like, and Mm -hmm. I notice she's still teething, especially on my hands. So do you have any tips for people, like if your cat is biting, she's nipping a little bit. If I disturb her and she doesn't want to be? Yeah. Yeah, she'll bite. You have to reprimand them. You just tell them, no, every cat, every animal in the world understands that universal word, no. So you tell them no, point your finger at them, and if you've got a bottle of water, you can spritz them with the water to let them know that's not acceptable. Give them other things to chew on, other options. Give them a stuffed sock, a plastic toy, something else. If they don't want to be disturbed, what you can do is test them out if they're sleeping and you want to pet them. Just kind of rub your hand over their back If they look at you and give you either the dirty look or the nip, then you just say, okay, you don't want to be disturbed right now. Yeah, and I'm sure that it's really hard in a family with little kids. I've always had cats, and I know that you're like the cat expert, so (laughs) this is the way I'm going to get all my answers, all my questions answered. So Super Kitty has the run of the place. Okay. And I just bought her for her birthday a four-story vertical condo in the sky. Okay. She loves it. I didn't realize it. I mean, I had like little chairs and like little tables that she could jump on or lay and and I'd open the window so there's a screen she could get fresh air. But she really seems to like being outside on the leash and near the lake. And the geese don't bother her. And sometimes what really bothers her is the wind. She gets really freaked out by only the wind or if she hears a car coming into the parking lot because we face it. Yeah. Cats understand the elements of nature. So wind is a force that they don't understand. They just know something is blowing at them. If something is blowing in their face or blowing their fur, it's an automatic, you know, relay. What is that? What's going on? They don't like that. In cars, you've got the engines, the noise. They understand that's uh, a dangerous machine, and they want to look where it's coming from and get out of the way. But the outdoors, they are animals. They love the outdoors. They're at peace with it, but they also are more in tune to nature than we are. We know that's wind, that's rain, that's, you know, this or that, and they just know something is affecting their body. They can rationalize to a point, but they can't take it all the way as far as we can to say, oh, it's just the wind blowing. Yeah, the understanding. I'm sure you've seen a lot of cats and a lot of people come through your doors when they come in to maybe just pet them on a Saturday Mm -hmm. or Sunday. How do you guide them into choosing like the right pet for them? Do they need help with that? Do they ask for help? Some people do ask for help. They definitely need help because everybody starts off wanting that cute, cuddly kitten from the calendar that they've seen in a commercial that pops out of the gift box and is all roly-poly and absolutely adorable. And not every cat, when we get our cats, we get them from really bad situations and circumstances. So we understand them. We have grown with them. We have treated them. We know them mentally and physically. So we know what uh, family is going to be a good fit for them. And in terms of adoption, we have to do what's best for the cat. 
And if that means telling an adopter this cat's not going to be happy or appropriate in your home, then we do that because we don't want them to give up the animal. And a lot of people will. They'll go out and pick out the cutest, cuddliest kitten and it's adorable and they've got their kids and their six-year-old is happy and they're all, everybody's a wonderful family. Then the cat turns a year old and all of a sudden the cat's like, you know, I don't want to be picked up and carried around and petted. I don't feel like playing. I want to sit here at the window. Leave me alone. So then the family's like, okay, the kitty doesn't like us or isn't interested or it's biting the children. We need to get rid of it and get a new one. This is a problem. So you have to know the cat and know what he's going to be, what family he's going to fit with the best. We have one cat, and she was attacked by a dog, and she lost her eye. She had hypothermia. She was in shock. She ended up in a lake when it was 26 degrees outside, which was a record for here in Florida. We fished her out. We got her treated, fluid in the lungs, a whole nine yards. She is a beautiful flame point Siamese. She's lost her eye. However, and she could have been adopted a hundred times over. But she cannot go to a home with a dog or that has future prospects of a dog. So we have to tell people no because of her PTSD mm-hmm. and what happened to her. She cannot go to a home with dogs. So that's how we kind of correlate. We also have sleepovers and If after, you know, a number of days, if it doesn't work out and you're like, you know, I changed my mind. I don't like having my toes chewed on at three in the morning. Give me an adult cat. I don't want a kitten anymore. We take our cats back. So they bring their cats back to us and say, look, it's just not working. Okay. No harm, no foul. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's all about the cats and which cat will fit which home. Correct. Yeah. And now that my cat is a full grown cat, I still think of her as my baby. Yeah. You know, but yeah, her needs are changing and she's very independent and she doesn't necessarily want to be held and cuddled. And she did earlier when I was writing the book, actually, she tried to emulate my hands on the laptop. So I just had to kind of move her up on my chest and she could watch everything. They do like to sit back and watch from a distance. So with you and with all the people that come through, I'm sure that they have to fill out a paper to adopt and a small fee. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was $40. Yes. And all. And can you tell us when a, a family adopts a pet, what they get as far as the pet, like what's been done to the pet for that $40? Well, we've always just charged $40, but it depends on the cat. Like in Lily's case, several hundred dollars were spent on her. She's medically cleared to be adopted. She's been fixed. She's been vaccinated. Her eye has been um, surgically removed. She's healthy now. She's good to go. But for some cats, it's all they've really needed was just a little help, you know, small upper respiratory, get them some medication. So they've been fixed, they've been vaccinated. If they are over six months, they've been tested for the FIV. Although FIV is not, and I can't stress this enough, it is not the death sentence that a lot of people have grown up to think that it is. So FIV doesn't mean that the cat is going to die or can give it to everybody else. They can't. It's within them. It's in their blood. The only way they can spread FIV is through mating or through bloodshed that's deep bloodshed. I mean, you know, 
where the police would show up. What is FIV? It's the feline AIDS. Okay. I'd never heard of that. I know that on one of the podcasts I talked about uh, purchasing insurance for my mm-hmm. kitty. I never did that before for my other cats, but I thought it does make sense since I'm getting a kitten that's three months old. And the price was really reasonable. It was like $12 a month. And you can get the insurance through your homeowners and you'll probably get a better rate. So I did do that just in case of anything big coming up. But she's really healthy. The only thing I really have to watch is she kind of likes people food. Yes. And wants to be around and sniffing everything. And who knows what she'll put in her mouth. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So when you have small kids, you have to kind of be a little bit, you know, careful with that. So how long have you been doing this work at Caffeinated Cat? And about how many cats have come through your door and how many have you adopted out? Oh, boy. Okay, well, like I said, we've been a rescue for about 18 years. We've been at the Caffeinated Cat three years now, and I couldn't say how many we've adopted so far, mainly because I just wanted to make sure that we got 100 adoptions within the first year. That was my goal, and we ended up with over 200. And at that point, I said we need to stop focusing on our numbers so we can focus on the cats. So we don't keep track of our adoptions anymore, mainly because I don't want that to be my prime focus because you can go a month and only do two adoptions and all of a sudden it's, you know, you're into a panic and, oh, I got to get my numbers up, get my numbers up because we're an extremely data-driven society. So we're obsessed with numbers and I don't want to get like that because these are living creatures. I need to make sure I'm doing right for them as opposed to beefing up our numbers so we don't keep track. Yeah, in theory, it sounded good. You know, let's get these cats adopted into families. Let's grow their family. But really, it's about protecting these cats that have mm-hmm. already been through so much and they have no voice of their own. And this is really the impetus behind myself doing a podcast. I think that people like you said, would love a kitten and Mm -hmm. probably come in around the holidays or birthdays and really want to kind of put that out there that that's really not what we want to see happen because once that birthday or that holiday is over, the reality sets in. And these are pets that can't speak for themselves, that have been through traumatic events, have had surgery, missing limbs, eyes, cancer, whatever. So what they really need are people who will take them in any condition. Correct. And I think... There is a segment of society that really is willing to do that. I know in the complex in which I live, there's a lot of dog owners and there's a lot of cat owners. And I've seen some three-legged dogs. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really a nice thing because they can still walk and they can still have a quality of life. They're just missing one limb. Right. And so do you come across more pets like that that are brought to the caffeinated cat? How do you get the cats to caffeinated cat? No, we don't seek them out. We really don't have to. (laughs) My phone shows all the blasts this morning. Because we've been a rescue for so long and we deal with the wonky, a lot of the vets know what we do. A lot of the community, cat people, animal high kill shelters, that type of thing, animal control officers, they know what we deal with. So when they get one, they're like, hey, we got one. They hit by a car. If we get it fixed up, can you take it? Well, of course, yes, we can. So we deal exclusively with that. We don't take owner surrenders. We don't take a stray cat that you find in your yard. If that were the case, 
we would be overloaded with cats. We're not a shelter. We are a rescue. And there's a huge difference between shelter and rescue. So that's what we deal with. And we just get them fixed up and try to get them homes. If they get a home, wonderful. If they don't, then they pretty much live their life at the cafe. When you have pets like this coming through your doors and you're a 501c3, I'm sure it gets really expensive. I've been to the Caffeinated Cat many times. I did my book signing there. I adopted my cat from there. I go in at least once a month. And one of the things that I noticed is there's a lot of people maybe on the weekend and they come in Mm -hmm. for a cup of coffee or tea and then they pet the cats and then they leave and they Mm -hmm. may not take a cat, but they're trying to do their part and maybe help you out a little bit. So really, what is the overhead involved in the caffeinated cat just to keep it up and running, like on an annual or monthly basis? It is extremely expensive. We spend a lot of money every year on medical. That's one of the reasons we had to open the caffeinated cat, because medical costs in the past three to four years have just gone exploded through the roof. You know, a convenient injection, it originally started off at like eight bucks now it's anywhere between 35 and $50, and that's an antibiotic. And a lot of medications are getting harder and harder to find, but they're also a lot more expensive. So it's very expensive treating these animals, plus the fact that, you know, overhead rents have gone through the roof, cat food has gone, you know, everything has literally gone up. The gas to get the animal to the vet has gone up. So every aspect has increased exponentially. And so all the coffee sales, the merchandise sales, the t-shirts, the handmade products that we have at the shop, everything goes towards making uh, sure that the cats have a roof over their head, electricity, food, medical attention. It all goes towards the cats. We do not have any administrators. We don't have professional fundraisers. Our CEO is Flurkin the cat. We have three other employees. Jaws, she's our security. Dr. LeMay and Surgery Tech Raider. Those are our four employees. They are our administration. They work for cat food. They are permanent residents at the Caffeinated Cat because we are focused on the cat and their well-being. And that's what the whole mission is. And the reason for our organization is it's not to have several levels of funding with executives and people and administrators and stuff. So what you're saying is that it's a one-stop shop all under one roof. And I get that all the prices have gone up as a cat owner. I mean, Mm -hmm. the aluminum, they can't get enough of it. You're sold out everywhere you go for anything. So I can imagine that you struggle with that too. Even if you are partnered with some vets and some doctors that will do some of this work for you, there's still a price to pay. And then there's transportation and then there's follow-up. Yeah. So $40 to adopt a cat is pretty darn cheap. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm just wondering if you can maybe just explain for the audience what a 501c3 is and why it's important. 501c3 is a tax-exempt organization. It can be a rescue group like mine. It can be a church, a school, a hospital. It has to be a nonprofit mission. So it has to actually state what its mission is and it has to perform that mission. So that's how they work. They get donations, they can get grants, and they are funded 
either publicly or privately or through government. So with the audience listening to this podcast and knowing that you're a 501c3 in the work that you do, what is the number one thing that you would like to have on a consistent basis in order to continue caring for these cats? Oh, good Lord. That's an open question. There's so much we could use. Well, for basic for any rescue, any rescue, food, you know, the litter, the finances, that that type of thing, you know. Yeah, it all adds up, and all of those things have gone up in price due to transportation and all the shelves being empty. One of the things that brings to my mind is that a 501c3 is basically a tax-free organization, but I don't think people understand how much work you actually do, like what hats you wear at the Caffeinated Cat. Do you want to share just like a couple hours of your day, like give us an idea what time you get there and what it entails? Well, just because a organization, first of all, is 501c3, all it means is that it does not have to pay taxes. However, there are still reports that you have to do for the IRS, and these can be up to 20-page reports. You have to be very specific. Your finances are definitely accounted for much more than, say, your individual taxes or a business that does pay taxes, a for-profit business. I mean, they're very, very particular. As for my work day, it's four hours in the morning to get ready to clean up, set up, get ready to open the doors, and then four hours again in the evening to shut down, clean up, make sure that the cats are all embedded for and good for the night. So, And then you've got the eight-hour day in between where you serve the coffee, talk to the customers, you educate, because we serve several purposes. We don't just serve drinks. We also educate. We are part of the community. If somebody comes in and they say, hey, you know, my cat's doing this, what can I do? We try to help them. A gentleman came in a couple of days ago. A cat had kittens in his garage. He didn't know what to do, so we gave him food for the mama and the babies, high-protein food, gave him things that he would need to help make sure that those babies are good and mom is good and she continues to care for them. So we help in several, many, many aspects. So it's not just, hey, come in, grab a cup of coffee and adopt a cat. Well, speaking of coffee, this podcast, we'll be asking everybody who listens to it at the end to buy a cup of coffee, and it's an app. And this is an initial podcast, so we're going to do five different interviews. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that each person who's listening and learning from all the people that are here, that they'll donate. And each cup of coffee is $3. So if they listen to all five podcasts, they can donate 15 And it's a way to kind of monetize it and help. And a portion will be given back. And so I don't think people realize um, that you're doing it all alone. Do you have any volunteers who come in and how much time do they give you? We have a number of volunteers because we're a 501 the high school students have to have community service hours in order to graduate. 
We utilize high school students a lot, so they get graduation points, plus they learn at a younger age, you know, responsibilities and how to take care of animals. We do have adults, we have fosters, we have people that volunteer. Everybody has their little niche that they cover. It's definitely a lot of work. Are you in need of more volunteers? At this point, no, we've got enough because the seniors know that we can give them graduation points. So each school year, they'll sign up. And then when they graduate, there's a whole new incoming class so they can get their graduation points. We don't have a lot of space and we don't have a lot of various areas that need to be covered because we can do laundry at the shop. We don't need a scooper person for, you know, the litter because we actually dump the boxes three times a day and bleach them. And we do that there while the cats are there. So because of the space and the cat room, we don't like to disrupt people when they are with the cats in terms of going in and cleaning the litter box or something like that while people are visiting with the cats because we don't want to disrupt that time that they have together. Cats are very good in terms of de-stressing. So people will sometimes come in just to, you know, they're like, I need a cat. I had a bad day. College students that are doing finals. Kids had a really bad day at school. Adults, I just lost my cat. I just need to hug one. So people will come in just to sit and de-stress for a bit, and then they go ahead and leave. And we don't want to walk into the room and start scooping at a litter box while somebody may be crying over their lost pet. Yeah, what I hear you saying is there's a lot of people who get a lot from holding a cat and Mm -hmm. petting a cat and spending time with a kitten Mm -hmm. or a grown cat. And sometimes we overlook the human value that the cats really do provide. I know that a future podcast, I'm going to interview some people that have adopted dogs or cats and really get down to why it was that they chose to do that. And I guess we'll find out on that podcast. But I know for myself personally, it's just a real good companion. You know, once in a while, they'll meow and they want something, but... (laughs) For the most part, I know this cat pretty well because I made sure that I was home to hold her and take Mm -hmm. place of the mother and all of that for like the first six months. And then when I'd go out, she'd be waiting at the window and she'd run window to window. She was so excited. No, not so much. But that doesn't mean anything. She knows that I'm there. Right. So I know for myself, being in a new complex, in a new state, a new city, it just seemed like the right fit and connection is to have a little companion who really can't talk back to you. (laughs) Exactly. They can't tell you no. Uh, But people adopt for various reasons. We had one cat, Big Mike, and he was an adult cat, and he had to have his leg amputated. So, of course, being an adult, he lost all confidence. Well, come to find out, a handicapped lady adopted him, and so they're handicapped buddies. And she absolutely loves him. He loves her. And they have kind of comforted each other. So people adopt for different reasons. But each animal knows. They sit back, observe. They learn us. They know our habits. They know when we're upset. They know when we're happy. 
they understand all that. And each animal has his different way of helping from what he's learned from us. So it's amazing to see how they do comfort us. They bring us joy. They entertain us. They love us unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you look like in the morning. That cat, that dog adores you. I'm just thinking, you know, with all of the COVID and the restrictions and schools and communities, and it's still with us, that it just seemed like a good time last year to adopt Mm -hmm. a pet. And I probably spend more time with Super Kitty than anybody else. So she does know me. And one of the things that I'm really glad that I thought of before I let her have too much of a run of the house was when I go to bed at night, I close my door. I want my sleep. I need to have really good sleep, okay? One night I thought I closed it. It was open just a little bit. I'll be darned if she didn't get up on the bed. And the next thing you know, I moved and it was like a game for her. And it was like, oh boy. So when you set the ground rules, it's so much easier to maintain when you know what you want. And I get a good night's sleep and she gets it. She's always active. And I have to say, she's one of the best palmetto bug catchers you could ever (laughs) ask for. (laughs) Yes, yes. She thinks they're a kind of a toy at first, and she kind of plays with them. And when they stop moving, it doesn't stop her. She's like, you know, it's yep. like a goalie, you know, yep. dribbling the ball, but Move. it's a palmetto bug. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So she's very good about that. I recently just switched her litter, and I went with the pellet system, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting. But she took right to it. Mm-hmm. And I love the pellet system because I'm not having to drag home 50-pound boxes of right. litter. Yeah. I don't have the tracking and the dust. And I think people think that it's more expensive, but in actual it's really not and she's so good at you know doing her business and whatever she does at night I don't need to know about it I just need my sleep (laughs) (laughs) well you're lucky I have to share my bed with the cats they don't put up with having the door closed no 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 they share my pillow they move me over they take up my blankets but they do sleep my previous cat, Spanky, would always sleep on my bed mm-hmm. because there was another cat in the house that would try to play with her and she thought it was attacking her. So she would be on the pillow next to me. And one night I moved my arm and I was turning and I got bit. And I'm like, oh, because you know, I usually sleep on my back and I don't move much, but that night I did. So I thought, oh, you know, I really deserve a good night's sleep and I want to really look forward to seeing the cat in the morning, not all night long. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> And so I really do. And when I get up, that's the first thing that I focus on is where is, where is Ginger? Yeah. Where are you? And she loves the attention. She knows what she's going to be first getting fed before I make my coffee. I asked you before and you kind of addressed it. If there was one thing you really could get from people and you said it would be food and things like that. What about money? Do you have any donors that donate on a regular basis? Would you like to see that? And can you tell us how that money would be used and how far it can go? Yes, we can always use donors. We do have people that donate on a regular basis. We don't have what I term high-dollar donors, but we appreciate everything that comes in, and we can utilize everything. Even if somebody donates like $25 a month, we still use that to cover our bills in terms of Supporting the cats, it goes in to pay for the food, pay for the litter, pay for the um, medical costs, pay for the rent, the electricity, that type of thing. The new beds, toys, everything 
that the cats need. So no amount of money goes to waste, that's for sure. So what would be an example of the overhead for a month when usually you have about 12 to 15 cats? What do you suppose that number is? Because I think people, they kind of forget all that's involved behind the scenes when they come in. It's just, it looks like a real cute shop. Everything's organized. All the cats are in one room. You can get coffee. Well, it's not a stretch to say that it is easily 10000 a month. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and see, I don't think people understand that. A lot of people are struggling, you know, keeping a roof over their own head. But then, sure. you know, if you're adopting a cat, you've got the overhead for many cats. And mm-hmm. I think people come in, they go, oh, I'm buying a cup of coffee. It's really going to stretch. It's going to go far. But a cup of coffee is just a couple dollars. And when you're talking at least 10000 and that's probably a lowball estimate. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And that's not including like the doctors and the vets and the pills and the... <laughs> it can vary if you don't have a lot of in-depth surgeries in terms of amputations or ionucleations or other things like that, then it will be a little bit lower. If you do, then it's going to be a little bit higher. If you have a lot of upper respiratory then you've got a lot of medication, antibiotics, stuff like that. It fluctuates, but I would say a good average on an average month, it's about 10000 and then it can go up or a little bit lower from there. Never less than 8000 a month, never. So we're going to kind of wrap it up, and I just want to give you an opportunity to pull it all together, and maybe you missed getting something out there, you want people to know where you're located, what your hours are. We are at The Caffeinated Cat. We are in Jack's Beach at 331 First Avenue North. We are open every day from 10 to 6. We do close the cat room at 530 because by that time the cats are exhausted from all day long. They also need their dinner and they like to eat in peace. So we are open until 6 to serve coffee. You're welcome to look through all the windows and everything to watch the cats. If you have allergies, we've got outside windows. You can still have a cup of coffee and watch the cats. All our proceeds do help the cats. It does go towards them. You're welcome to come in anytime and see exactly where your donations go. We are greatly appreciative of the people in the community that will bring us food. We have one gentleman that comes in every single Sunday like clockwork to see Jaws and bring a bag of food. Bless his heart. I'm going to miss him if he doesn't ever show up. So we do have a lot of regulars, and we depend greatly on those. We have the Clorox lady, and she brings Clorox every week so we can clean. So the support from the community is extremely important, and we are very, very grateful for all of it. Well, and I'm glad you said that because some of the proceeds from this podcast and Buy Me a Cup of Coffee will be shared. And there is a dedication page in my book for The Caffeinated Cat. And I just wanted people to know that when you finish reading this book, please make a donation to The Caffeinated Cat. Your donation will allow more rescue cats to be adopted into loving homes. And if you cannot donate money, consider gifting your time and visiting a rescue center near you. They are always in need of cat litter, toys, and every donation helps more cats as they await their forever homes. 
And I really got the idea to write this book and dedicate it to the caffeinated cat because that's where I got my little super kitty from, (laughs) a.k.a. Ginger. And I know that when I went in, I think I'm doing such a generous thing by adopting a cat. But in reality, the cat really gave a Mm -hmm. lot to me. And the cats, they just wait patiently to find a loving home. And they really deserve to be protected and loved. And so when I spotted little Ginger, she looked like a sweet calico kitten that day that I entered the caffeinated cat. And she was just a sight for my sore eyes. And from the moment I signed the adoption papers, I have loved spending every minute with her. Mm -hmm. She's really a smart and loving cat. And she provides me hours of fun, enjoyment, and companionship. I wish I could say that about all my friends and my acquaintances. (laughs) So without further ado, I want to thank Tammy for coming in. I know that you're very busy. We tried to schedule this. And now I have a real sense of your dedication and the time commitment each day, which is a 12-hour day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You're open every day. Mm -hmm. And you're open to the public. And you're always giving people the answers that they're seeking and we it's, try. it's really great. So I hope more people will get over to the caffeinated cat in Jacksonville Beach. And I thank you for taking time and coming and doing this podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for adopting Ginger and realizing it's cat's life. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.